We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk all around sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners. Welcome to the 82nd ever show of All Around Sports. We're each Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at www.iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, in a few minutes, we will be joined by friend of the show, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and later by Dave Gorn of the National Sportscasters and Sportswriters Association, of which I am a member. Well, my highlight of the week is Northern Illinois busting the BCS Bowl system by virtue of their... MAC championship win over Kent State last Friday night, which allowed them to climb up in the rankings above many of the BCS schools, thereby qualifying them to uh, play in a BCS Bowl, which turned out to be the Orange Bowl. And I think it's terrific. I watched the game against Kent State, and I know there's a lot of controversy surrounding this pick. Uh, of them to play in a BCS Bowl, but I watched the game on Friday night. It was very exciting overtime. There was never a moment where I'm sitting there watching or thinking that uh, this is two MAC teams and like it's not as good as you know FBS college football. So uh, again, kudos to them. I just think that uh, it's terrific. I've been shocked by ESPN analyst Kirk Herbstreet's reaction, uh, very negative about Northern Illinois getting in. I'm a big fan of Herbie, and he is always such an even-keeled uh, journalist, and I've just been shocked by how strongly he has come out against the choice of Northern Illinois making a BCS Bowl because uh, – you know, they qualified fair and square. That is the system. And with all we, all the things we have about the BCS, the negative uh, 
connotations that come to mind and how the system is flawed. This is the, probably one area of the system that I've actually enjoyed, uh, be it Utah, Boise State through the years, making it. And again, Northern Illinois earned it fair and square. They deserve to be there and can't wait to watch them uh, see how they measure up in the Orange Bowl. My low light of the week is the continuing negative news coming out on the Javon Belcher murder-suicide. Uh, the Kansas City Chiefs former player who uh, rocked the sports world uh, with his actions last Friday night into Saturday morning. Uh, again, every day since then, there's just more and more news coming out, all of it negative, particularly about a report that police found him sleeping in a car uh, outside the apartment of another woman uh, just hours before the tragic events unfolded, just heard the 911 call. And all in all, uh, as horrible a situation as imaginable. And again, uh, bad news just continues to filter out on a daily basis regarding this. My bizarre story of the week is Georgia's mismanagement of the clock at the end of uh, the fabulous SEC championship game on Saturday evening. Uh, I totally get where they were coming from, their strategy, and hoping to uh, get Alabama's defense uh, in somewhat disarray and take advantage of that and potentially score quick as they come running down the field after covering 70, 80 yards in just a couple of plays. But in my mind, you just have to simply clock it and get organized. I, I just think it's more important for the offense to be organized with the national championship on the line than uh, giving the defense time to get organized. But it was a game for the ages. Alabama ran all day and uh, 350 yards. It was just an impressive power display. And But then they drove the stake through their heart of the Bulldogs with a long bomb from quarterback A.J. McCarron to win the game. And it was a spectacular viewing. And that leads right into my next guest, uh, who will be A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So right now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams, from outside the huddle likes to say, it's time to pay some bills. So let's take our break. And next up will be A.P. Stedham, Bama Magazine. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. Tune in to a show about making a comeback and what really goes on behind the scenes with your favorite athletes and beyond. Listen for The Comeback Radio Show with Tony Farmer. A lot of people believe what they read on the Internet, hear and see in the media, and on the news. We're going to give our guests the chance to tell the real story without the extra hype. It's not just sports, although that will be a focal point of the program. We'll also look at the world of celebrities, music, modeling, and more. Listen every Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. If you want to talk about the East Coast sports scene, particularly from the Southeast, make sure you tune in to the Jeff Owen Show every Tuesday. Yeah, we'll talk about some of the other teams and news that's out there, but host Jeff Owens and co-host Tasha Humphrey know the inside and out of the Georgia College sports world, and they were born there, raised there, and still live the scene. We'll talk about every sport imaginable. 
Tune in on Tuesday at 7 p.m. East Coast time, 4 p.m. in the West, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Lockdown coverage. Get ready to talk sports with the big guys. Tune in to Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis every Tuesday for the inside and outside of the business of sports. Keith and his guests will provide expert commentary and answer all of your burning questions about your favorite team, the players, and what's next. It's time to have fun with the game. Listen for Lockdown Coverage with Keith Lewis and his favorite co-hosts every Tuesday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. The talk doesn't get any hotter. Your internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I am your host, John Inglesby. And it's that time of the show when we typically have guests. And on the line with us is A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, longtime friend of the show. And, A.P., how you doing today? I'm doing pretty good, John. It's been a whirlwind 10 days uh, at the SEC Championship and then up to New York for some uh, college football functions. So we're just staying after it until we get it right. <laughs> well, I'm sure you do get it right. Uh, that's why I wanted to have you on. I am well aware of all the exciting things going on. So why don't we uh, take it all in chronological order, starting with uh, literally a game for the ages last Saturday, the SEC championship game. I know you've been to a few of them. This has to rank as one of the best, if not the best, that you've seen. Yeah, I think it is, uh, John, because there were two teams that battling right to the last whistle, the last play. Either team could have won, and when I was on the sideline the last few minutes, I'm calculating in my head, Alabama rushed for about 350 yards, and I'm thinking they might lose the game. And I'm, I was trying to recall when that happened. That's a great perspective. Wow. <laughs> Hadn't quite looked at it that way. Uh, yes, had they lost the game in retrospect, to look back on that 350 yards rushing would have been, you know, truly remarkable. Uh well, I got to ask the question that all of America is asking. Uh, what did you think of Georgia's strategy uh, not clocking it? And basically, what I've heard, read, whatnot, is you know, you were there, you would know better than me that basically, you know, they came down the field, covered a lot of ground in uh, just a few plays, and decided to try to catch Alabama, you know, in disarray, shall we say, uh, and. Instead of clocking it and getting organized, which of course would have allowed uh, the Alabama defense to get organized as well, but what'd you think? I think I would have went with a couple extra plays because when you're all laying, laying on the line for one play, you're really rolling the dice, and I'd prefer to have a couple plays. I mean, I know you're giving the other team a chance to re- recover and regroup, but I'm thinking they're still tired, and they, they were not able to stop. Uh, Georgia, those last, you know, last few minutes. I, I think I would have stopped the clock. Yeah, the, you know, there would have been something that looks like twelve seconds left, maybe ten. Uh, that is 
quite possibly two plays into the end zone had they clocked it. And by clock it, I mean spike the ball, run up the line, spike the ball after their big, uh, big play there. Um, and you know, what happened to them, you know, from Georgia's point of view, unimaginable. I mean, you know, the ball's tipped, the guy catches it, uh, the five falls down, you know, if a tackle falls down and bounds and yeah. clock just expired. It had to be the longest, even for me, it seemed like the longest five seconds of all time. Oh, it was, it sure was. And, and one of the uh, points somebody tried to make to me, because I was on the other side, uh, away from the play, they said that uh, the ball was not thrown to that particular receiver, of course, and, and right. I'm, I've watched that play a number of times. I didn't really see anyone open. Uh, yeah. That, that's been reported or said by a few people, and I said, gee, that's, I didn't see the uh, receiver in that corner of the end zone wide open. Not even close, and I'm glad you said that because I've thought the same thing. Uh, clearly, there was another receiver, more importantly, an Alabama defender, behind the guy that caught the ball <clears throat> around the five-yard line. The ball was tipped, so it went short, but, you know, there is no way they were even coming close to completing that pass to the further receiver in the, in the corner of the end zone. I mean, not even no. – just no way. I mean, that guy had zero room, and he was covered – he was blanketed. He sure was. And uh, when I was reviewing that game last week, John, I looked at – Georgia was 10th in the league in surrendering 163 yards rushing. And Alabama, the first quarter, they had 25 yards rushing on six carries. And then by the second quarter, they they ran it up uh, another 127 yards. So by halftime, it was, it was over 150. Wow. And you so knew something free- Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. So you knew something special was going to happen, that Alabama was going to resort to their power game, and I'm not sure exactly why they didn't to start, did not to start the game. But um, I told somebody, you know, last year in the championship game against LSU, they had a lot of respect for the defensive line, so A.J. came out through 25 passes in the first half. And uh, I said, you watch this game and see how Nick Saban uh, operates his offense. If he starts throwing the ball around, then he has a lot of respect for the defensive line. But I, I said to myself, when you're 10th in the league, and I was looking at their statistics, they had some people run for 200, 300 yards, 197. So I wasn't impressed. Even though they had some big guys in the middle, I wasn't impressed with their their, uh, their front seven. Yeah, I know. I mean, how can you be? I mean, so what you're really saying is they rushed for 320 yards or so in three quarters, which is nothing <laughs> short of remarkable. And, yeah, so you were on the sidelines for the last couple of minutes, as, as media members often are? Yeah, the last couple of minutes, John. So, I mean, wow. it was really it was a scary moment for Alabama people because when I saw that, uh, interception by uh, Milliner, and I and I said I think that hit the ground. I wasn't sold that that was an interception, and they reversed right. it, of course. So, and I'm thinking, well, they got about forty something seconds. I believe they can hold them, but <laughs> they were just backpedaling. Alabama was really tired, and and uh, they were lucky, very fortunate to win the game. Well, you had uh, you know ringside seat for literally college football history. Uh, I actually watched. A replay of the game, and you know, I replayed the last you know minute mm-hmm. George's drive there two or three times. Just you know, not to, especially the last play. So for you to just be like witnessing it from the sideline must have just that'll be an all-time memory for you. I'm guessing. Oh yeah, it was so loud. I couldn't. You couldn't hear yourself. And the, the Georgia people were were very uh, well represented. And they they were very loud during the game. So. Every time Georgia did something, and 
uh, they had a crowd behind them. I, I was, I guess, I was surprised that Alabama made some mistakes after playing, um, you know, with Texas A&M and making some mistakes. That, that first, that interception that AJ threw in the, in the corner was just like the Texas A&M game, except on the other side. Right. Exactly. It, it looked like the same play, and I'm thinking, gee, AJ, he must have <laughs> had nightmares about that. But then he went and had him do another one, and. Uh, and then he got sacked and lost the football also. And then they had the, uh, I think it was what, the offsides on the special team. The Alabama would have made a first down, but something happened on that play. And then the block kick, and he was running right you know, down the field about 50, 60 yards for that touchdown. So, you know, Alabama's not infallible, and when they make mistakes, they're, they're vulnerable. Yes, yes. Well, good comparison there with the A&M interception. And, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I myself have had the pleasure, you know, uh, one time to attend a game, the Rose Bowl in 1995 between Penn State and Oregon, where literally half the stadium was Penn State, half the stadium was Oregon, and it was truly special and unbelievably loud. Penn State was undefeated that year. And, you know, just uh, I hear more and more each year uh, about what a special event the SEC title game is because of that, because, you know, half the stadium is one team, half the stadium is another. I mean, what's that, what's that atmosphere like? Oh yeah, it's, it's uh, energizing and it's just revved up from the minute that you walk into the stadium. All the people are got their gear on and they're outside the stadium. I, heck, they were they were talking about maybe thirty thousand people outside um, the stadium just to be around the uh, situation. That did not have tickets to the game. Right, did not have tickets to the game. Oh my right. gosh. Yeah, just, and I can visualize that. I've been to Atlanta, the Georgia Dome, <clears throat> Centennial Park, right right across the street. So yeah. I can see thirty thousand people hanging out, having fun in that area of town. Yeah, that's a that's a good venue. They have the World Very Congress, good. and they have the legends back. I wasn't I disappointed. I didn't get a chance to talk to many of the legends. I was so busy that day. Um, they bring a legend back from each team and represent their school. So Alabama had Paul Crane, and they introduced everyone. I think one thing I was disappointed in, John, during the game, they inter- introduced the legends. And when they introduced uh, the Tennessee player and the Florida player, the Georgia people booed. Huh. And then when they introduced the Auburn player, the Alabama people booed. And I'm thinking to myself, these are gentlemen that represented the league very well, and they're coming back to be honored and <laughs> You have to set aside any any uh, partiality when, when they're on the field, and you should just clap and uh, you know politely clap or don't or don't say anything at all. But I, I yes. was really disappointed when that happened. And then some you of the other that. teams. I mean, they didn't. You know, Vanderbilt they didn't clap or boo or Kentucky or something. But a couple of schools they did uh, voice the displeasure with them being introduced on the field, which I thought was uh, terrible. Yeah, I'm surprised by that. I mean, but that is, you know, the passion of the SEC, the intensity yeah. of the SEC, but that's not really cool. I'm surprised yeah. um, and, and, frankly, disappointed to hear that. It's, but, uh, yeah. yeah, well, you know, moving on, mm-hmm. um, it sounds like you also had a pretty exciting day today. Oh, John, we, I had a chance to be at the NASDAQ right there at Times Square, and they had a press conference with Nick Saban of Alabama and Brian Kelly, the head coach of Notre Dame. Uh, they both were in town for last night's function, the National Football Foundation 55th Annual Awards Banquet. Right, so, at the Waldorf. At the Waldorf, right. That was, that was an outstanding event I, I was able to attend and run Excellent. into different, 
different people um, that you don't see throughout you know throughout the year. So I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing the different coaches, former players, um, bowl people, just any, anyone related remotely related to college football. Um, but that press conference was. I think when you're looking at those two teams, John Notre Dame and Alabama, the, the front seven of Notre Dame. I've, the word I've got from different um, professional scouts is they, they're as good as anybody. That front seven. Right. Wow. Um, I had a, I was down in Mobile and uh, Phil Savage, who does the radio for Alabama. He's a former general manager of uh, Cleveland Browns, and he's associated with the Philadelphia Eagles now. He said sure. that a gentleman called him in September and he said, "Bill, I know who's going to be playing Alabama next year for the championship." And Bill said, "Who?" And of course, he mentioned Notre Dame. So a couple months passed by, and Phil returns the call and said, "I think you are one year too late." <laughs> <laughs> that's great yeah so great this, stuff this, there wow yeah this, yeah this particular fella he said that uh notre dame has that much talent they should they should be very good as well well keep in mind uh that notre dame is i believe the first unranked team meaning preseason unranked team to ever make the bcs national championship game so for him to make that prediction is amazing it, it really is to have that foresight you know to uh Make that projection, it sure is. Well, he stands and, alone in that because oh, nobody sure else was believing. Yeah, especially with that schedule. I mean, that was a representative schedule that they played Michigan and Oklahoma. Those are and USC. Those are traditionally big time teams, and they, they were down a little bit at some point. But I, I still think it's impressive when you go to Oklahoma and you you win. I still think that that counts. Um, Absolutely, and they won. You know. Uh, with authority that night. They sure did, yeah. I was very surprised. That, was, that game probably surprised me the most. Yes, yes. I think that's when, uh, you know, uh, the nation woke up that yeah. uh, to Notre Dame's talent and that they were really uh, in the running for a national championship. And, uh, uh, yeah, so that was pretty special. So, yeah, again, National Football Foundation, uh, I get all their news releases. I'm on their list. and. So I've been tracking it, but it sounds like, you know, the entire college football world's in New York City for this. This is a big deal. It, it really is, and uh, there's a lot of rumors going around, coaching changes, and a couple happened yesterday. So, yes. you know, you keep your ear to the ground, and you're in the lobby walking back and forth, and you're checking your sources and talking to people. And uh, there were some, some big moves yesterday. Uh, the most surprising, I guess, is Wisconsin coach uh, going to Arkansas. Shocker. Yeah, I think that, it was. right. Yeah, shocker. And excuse me, Arkansas is a team that they never have any problem with any money. I mean, you have the, the uh, Walton family associated with Walmart. You have Jerry Jones with the Cowboys, and you have the Tyson family. So they just as in know, Tyson Chicken. Tyson Chicken, right? So there's no problem wow. with any facilities or coaching uh, salaries. And they really want to win. They really want to win, Arkansas. Well, they do. They do. And, you know, just such a huge disappointment this past season for them. And, uh, you know, past two seasons, obviously, it's just been a, it's been a train wreck down there. So, yeah. uh, you know, I've always liked that Wisconsin coach uh, mm-hmm. and their program. So uh, I think he'll do well down there. But, you know, I, again, I think it's just going to be, uh, you know, I, I think it did catch everybody off guard. I mean, Nobody had nobody saw that one coming. No, not I hadn't heard that name before. I sure hadn't. Ever. I mean, I was hearing, you know, maybe Charlie Strong. I think he's from Arkansas, the state of Arkansas. But I right. never did hear uh, Brett Bielema. Sure yeah. Yeah, and then, of course, Alabama's 
ultra rival, uber rival, Auburn, <laughs> brought back Gus Malzone, who uh, you know got a lot of got a lot of airtime back when they won the national championship, and he was the offensive coordinator with Cam Newton, and uh, I, I like that hire. I think you know, I, I think uh, he'll do well down there. Yeah, I was uh, talking to someone, and we were just discussing that Kirby Smart was also in the mix of defensive coordinator from Alabama. And how, you know, if you hire one of his protégés, how are you going to beat Nick Saban at his own game? You know, I heard that, AP, about Kirby Smart yeah. in the running for the Auburn job. And, boy, that if ever, it did not seem like a fit. That was it. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the uh, Pat Dye contingent, <laughs> he was pushing uh, Kirby because Kirby, Kirby played at Georgia. And he was really kind of waiting for Mark Rick to his his uh, fate this year, and obviously he did very well. So, and he's not going anywhere, I don't believe. So, Kirby, if he was going to make a move, maybe he would have went uh, went to his, his see his agent, uh, uh, John, is Jimmy Sexton, just like Gus Malzahn. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, so that's one stop shopping. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, I'd heard he was, you know, a Georgia guy, and. Uh, yeah, so once Rick Rick resolidified his uh, hold on the job with the the fabulous season they had, then yeah. you know obviously no opening there, and no. uh, so yeah, that's uh, again you know that that is good stuff. I mean, him smart going to Auburn would have been like you know Will Muschamp coaching waiting at yeah. Texas for so many years, going yeah. to like Oklahoma or Texas A and M. Right, it just wouldn't have. It would have just seemed strange. Instead, yeah, he was a Florida guy. Went back to the Gators, and yeah. uh, you know, yeah, what a season he had. So, yeah, oh, great season. Yeah, SEC dominant. I mean, they're just dominant. You must be uh, having so much fun just covering them because just they dominate the news cycle these days in college football in every way, shape, and form. Yeah, I, I haven't looked it up, John, but I think this is true that they'll have more. They could have more eleven win teams than ever. I mean, really? LSU, LSU, Alabama, Georgia, uh, Florida. Um, I'm trying to think of the other other couple are, but yeah, the A uh, and M, Texas A and M, and who else there? But it's like five or six teams, eleven wins. That's, I don't believe that's ever happened in the SEC. That's amazing because everybody has said this. You know, considered this a quote down year for the SEC. Yeah. So that that's a really interesting fact. Um, Wow, I didn't know that. Uh, well, AP, we're coming up on the end of our segment here, but I know that uh, you also have big plans for the weekend. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you have coming up Saturday night? Yeah, I'm going to uh, head down to the Heisman Trophy ceremony. I always like to attend the event, um, get a chance to interview some of the top players, and the linebacker from Notre Dame will be there, so I'm really interested to speak to him about his impression of Alabama. And they're two big, strong running backs, you know, elusive running back and, and Lacey, kind of big and strong and fast. So I'm really looking forward to uh, having a chance to question him about um, Alabama. And and it's, it's always nice to see other people in the media down there who show up for that, you know, that national event. Oh, absolutely. No, that'll be great. I mean, again, you know, SEC championship game. National Football Foundation dinner at the Waldorf, followed by today's uh, press conference with you know Nick Saban and uh, yeah, yeah, was, Brian Kelly, and then Saturday night the Heisman. That's a heck of a a heck of a week by anybody's standards. Yeah, it sure is. I'm real lucky and uh, 
you know, appreciate the opportunity to attend these events and, and hear from some of the college football world. Absolutely. Well, I also have something uh, I want to share with you that I'm going, and our listeners, of course, that uh, uh, regarding college football, where this Saturday I'm attending, covering my first ever Army-Navy game. So uh, I'm also in the college football spirit this week. Oh, that's going to be an outstanding opportunity. You get to go down to Philadelphia, is that right, Don John? Philadelphia. Philadelphia, absolutely. Back in the home state. Back in the home state of Pennsylvania, it's uh, a bucket list item for me, and, and pretty high on the list, shall we say. So, uh, very much looking forward to that. So, geez, no sooner why be you know the, the game is three o'clock uh, Saturday, of course, and no sooner will that game be ending than uh, I'll probably end up sticking around for the post game and watching the Heisman Trophy presentation. At, at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly oh, after the good. game. I'll probably watch that from the press box. Oh, that'll be that'll be awesome, John. And and you see all that pageantry of the two academies before the game. I that's a very uh, moving moving ceremony. Yeah, it's called the March on. Uh, it begins at twelve fifteen on Saturday. So oh, okay. if ever there was a game to arrive early, this is the one. Oh yeah, that would be. I would love to see that game at some point down the road. Oh, I'll, I'll figure out. All the uh, all the details connected with it, and maybe we'll make that happen for you and again for me uh, down the road. Oh, look forward to it, John. Sure do. All right. Well, again, I'll be thinking of you when I watch the Heisman on Saturday night. Thank you for uh, your great great perspective as always on these uh, great events. This is really one of the best weeks of the year in college football, and uh, and again, getting it uh, you know right from your mind's eye is fabulous for me and the listeners and uh we'll look forward to having you on again soon as we move towards the national championship which will have uh of course alabama versus notre dame okay thank you very much john appreciate it thanks ap and with that said we will now take our break and with us on the other side will be dave Gorin of the national sportscasters and sports writers association Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. Okay, sports fans, here's your opportunity to discuss football, America's favorite sport. On an annual basis, millions of people attend, watch, and listen to football, both pro and college. Ray Ellis Sports, an internet talk radio show, was developed with the fan in mind. Join host, former Philadelphia Eagles and Cleveland Browns strong safety, Ray Ellis, on Voice America Sports every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific for exciting, interactive football discussions from the fans' perspective. Tune in every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific to Ray Ellis Sports right here on the Voice America Network and let's talk football. What if there was a program that brought the best in sports and the best of entertainment together in one place? It can be done and Darnell Autry proves it every week on Outside the Spotlight. In this program, athletes and artists come together to share their success stories, hobbies, professional projects, and more that will interest not only the sports fan, but fans of entertainment and other human interest stories. If you have something you want to ask your favorite athlete or entertainer, listen for Outside the Spotlight, Fridays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern, on Voice America Sports. Do you feel the need for speed? 
Whatever your addiction, NASCAR, IndyCar, NHRA, Formula One, or even lawnmower racing, Pit Pass USA has got you covered. Larry Henry here, host of Pit Pass USA. I put my 30-plus years of being a motorsports broadcaster to work to bring you not only the best guests, but also the most interesting guests in racing. Pit Pass USA with Larry Henry. Your front row seat to the world of racing. Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Sports Channel. Be there or get a DNF. Your internet flagship station for sports, Voice America Sports. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, our final segment for the day. And with us on the line now is Dave Gorn of the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association, a guest we have had on previously in the past. And Dave, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, John. How are you? I'm doing terrific. Thank you so much for taking the time to call in. And uh, as you heard from our previous segment, uh, we were talking with A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, and I talked uh, A.P., of of course, was at the SEC Championship game Saturday, going to the Heisman uh, this Saturday. I'm going to the Army-Navy game, and you also have uh, done some interesting things on the college football front recently. Why don't you tell us all about it? Well, uh, my, my, I guess, second of four jobs is uh, I'm the analyst on the Wake Forest IMG football network. So I'm at uh, 12 Wake Forest games for the year. No more this year, no bowl game. Uh, they finished 5-7, and seven, and then I was at the ACC championship game last Saturday in Charlotte to see Florida State and Georgia Tech, and I already seen Florida State earlier this season and was uh, uh, as impressed, maybe not quite as impressed as uh, I was in September when they shut out Wake Forest. I think it was 52 to nothing at a had a little bit easier with Georgia Tech until the last fourth, fourth until the fourth quarter, and then the uh, the Yellow Jackets put on a little bit of a comeback, and we're actually yep. in position to come back and win. But uh, a little late pass inter- pass interception put it into that. So uh, Florida State, uh, I think the number one team in the ACC this year, maybe Clemson a half step behind, and after that it was fight it out for third place. Yes, well, I watched that uh, Florida State-Georgia Tech game, and uh, yes, that was a good game. And again, you know, uh, Georgia Tech made it closer near the end, added a little drama there. But, you know, Florida State has been, you know, pretty much in the top ten all year, so no surprise they won, no surprise they're in the the Orange Bowl, and they're going to be facing the BCS Bowl Buster in Northern Illinois, correct? That's right, and what a matchup that is. I don't know how excited the uh, Florida State people will be for that. You know, they're in their own state, uh, although it's a, across the st- state down in Miami. Um, you know, whether that's an, an attractive enough opponent or if it, if Northern Illinois gets hyped enough. And of course, their coach just took the head coaching job at NC State, replacing Tom O'Brien uh, the day after Northern Illinois won the MAC championship. In fact, it was funny. We were watching him in the... Uh, and the end of that game in the hotel room at uh, in Charlotte late Saturday night, and then 
Monday, there's Dave Doran in uh, in Raleigh at the uh, the press conference announcing his hiring and at NC State. So it uh, was kind of a whirlwind for him. Fascinating to say the least. I mean, I don't know if I ever remember a coach having a job quicker than he he got one immediately following the game. And you know, I. I yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I, I just have to wonder, I mean, what his feelings are. NC State's a great job, obviously. Um, but, you know, for him to take Northern Illinois to these historic heights, and I totally recognize that when that game ended Friday night, he we were still two, three days away from knowing that. Right. Indeed, Northern Illinois would be in an FBS Bowl, in a BCS Bowl. I just can't help but wonder what his thoughts are now. He's he's going to miss that. He took him into history, and but now he's not going to be part of that history. It's uh, it's really weird when when coaches leave at this time of year. And will they yes. coach the bowl game? Won't they coach the bowl game? I found it interesting. I guess yesterday reading when uh, Brett Bielma decided to leave for Arkansas, that his athletic director uh, Barry Alvarez was thinking about coaching, coming back and coaching Wisconsin in their in their Rose Bowl game. So. Just some, wow. some wacky things happen at this time of year. I hadn't heard that, and Barry Alvarez certainly knows his way around the Rose Bowl. He, he basically well, rebuilt he's a, Wisconsin. Yes, exactly. I mean, he, he put Wisconsin back on the football map, so he is, yes. as you said, no, no stranger to the Rose Bowl. That, I had not heard that. That is, uh, that's an interesting piece of news, and uh, that's why we have people like you on the show. Uh, but I've got to imagine that you know one of of your highlights uh, of recent weeks, if not much longer period. Uh, I was talking about the Army-Navy game being on my personal bucket list, uh, and it sounds like you were at your first ever football game at number one Notre Dame in South Bend recently. That's right. I, I was the uh, among the last people to see Notre Dame before they were number one. Uh, Wake Forest played up there on uh, November 17th, and that was my first trip to South Bend and enjoyed it immensely. It was kind of funny. We uh, we stay with the team at the hotel. We actually stayed stayed in Central Time and played in Eastern Time, and I think the Deacons were uh, an hour late for kickoff. Um, Notre Dame looked awfully good. Uh, you know, it, it looked like the varsity against the JV team in that game. That's a, as good of a defense as I've seen all year, and I think maybe the other defense that would be in the same class as Alabama. So it's it's fitting they'll be playing for the national championship in January. Um, great campus, lots of history, and you know, I know you appreciate history, John, as I do. And it's you know it's one of those things where you. I've seen it on TV so many times, and and then you get to experience it in person, and it's just it's one of those cool feelings where the the hair on your arm stands up. And you know, I didn't I haven't always liked Notre Dame. I was not a big Irish fan. Uh, grew up watching the highlight shows with Lindsey Nelson, who's in my Hall of Fame here in uh, in Salisbury, okay. uh, and the Terry Hanready to, to to Tom Gatewood days, and maybe for the maybe after Era Parsegian left. Uh, didn't like Notre Dame so much, but uh, a lot of history there. A guy like Brian Kelly, who, who is from Chelsea, Massachusetts, as I'm sure you well know. And uh, absolutely, kind of interesting. Now you have that little New England head coaches mafia between the the Kelly boys, Chip Kelly at Oregon, and Brian Kelly in 
at Notre Dame. You have Dan Mullen, who's done very well for himself at Mississippi State. Uh, Mike Sherman, unfortunately, was fired at Texas A&M after last year. But now look what uh, the Aggies have done this year with uh, you know most of the guys that that he recruited. So you know, those New England football guys aren't, aren't too shabby. No, it's very interesting. It's 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 a growing topic actually up here, as you know. New England, let's face it, it may be the birthplace of college football, but it's not where, uh, it's certainly not the epicenter these days, and yet, uh, some of the most, the best minds in college football today are coming out of, you know, New England, so it's all pretty interesting, and, uh, and by the way, I love your, uh, throwbacks to Notre Dame. I also grew up in your era, and, you know, uh, I remember the, Lindsey Nelson on Sunday morning saying, now we move to further action in the uh, third right. quarter. I'll never forget that. Uh, had the pleasure to interview Rocky Blyer and talk to him about those games. Uh, and there was nothing, just nothing like it. So I'm so glad you got up there. Everybody I've talked to said, you know, a Notre Dame football weekend is, is really, uh, you know, a sacred experience practically. And you have to see it to, to really uh, appreciate it, truly appreciate it. Right, and between you tomorrow going to the Army Navy game and me doing that, that's those are two definite uh, bucket list uh, venues for college football. Oh, absolutely, and uh, you know, I just uh, have to ask you, you know, given our talk of the Boston connection and the fact, you know, Tom O'Brien again uh, replaced at North Carolina State. Which, of course, uh, Tom O'Brien's former school before that was Boston College. And Boston mm-hmm. College was one of the many schools in the coaching carousel. They announced Steve Adazio yesterday as their new coach coming from Temple. And I met him at Big East Media Football Day this past August in Newport, Rhode Island. I was very impressed with him. So, uh, again, the coaching carousel continues to turn. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, with all the money that's involved now and the, and the realignment and everyone trying to position themselves and get their brand out there, that uh, it's, a, it's a win and win right now, and there's very little patience. Um, you know, the Internet on the media side uh, has just gotten crazy that if if you don't win today and win tomorrow, we want you fired. And there are just so many unrealistic expectations. Uh, NC State is a school that uh, you know, has grand expectations, and, and part of it, part of it was was O'Brien himself uh, saying that they were going to be a very good football team this year. And they went out uh, in their opener in Atlanta against Tennessee and didn't play well. And uh, it's a little bit ironic because O'Brien is known for being a bit of a dis- disciplinarian. Uh, his teams usually you know, play disciplined football, and at times his NC State team didn't. I mean, there was no no explaining really why Virginia, one of the the worst teams in the ACC this year, went into Raleigh and beat them. I believe it was thirty three to six. I mean, it wasn't even close. So it's, it's hard to figure out why that happened, uh, why he wasn't able to be more successful in Raleigh, but. Uh, uh, Kay Yao's sister, Debbie Yao, is the athletic director there, was at Maryland before, and, and you know, she, I think, is good at taking the temperature of her fan base. Um, you know, if there are enough people who don't like your football coach who are fans of yours and stop donating big bucks to the athletic department, uh, that's 
now maybe a, more of a cause for concern than it used to be. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, you know, obviously I'm very familiar with Coach O'Brien from his days up here at BC, and all this stuff is connected, and he, of course, is a Navy guy. You mentioned discipline. Tom O'Brien cut his teeth at the Naval Academy. So, you know, it's, uh, again, just all connected. But, uh, yeah, so it's – and when I last saw NC State, I mean, you know, my memory of them for this year and, and maybe of his coaching tenure, I happened to tune in the night they uh, came from behind to beat Florida State, now in right. the Orange Bowl, the ACC champion. I was watching that night, and it was spectacular football, to say the least. The place was electric. Right. And it's, you know, I, I think uh, Wolfpack fans feel it should be that way all the time. You know, yep. they were excited from the end of last basketball season when a lot of the so-called experts said that's a Final Four basketball team this year. So finally they're able to get out, of, out from the shadow of Duke and North Carolina, they thought. Uh, it hasn't quite worked out that way, although they had a good win the other night against Connecticut in New York City. Uh, and, and I think some of that has kind of rubbed off on the football program where, you know, if we can do it in basketball and our expectations are what they are, then why can't we do it in football? And you know, there's a certain truth to that. It's uh, obviously uh, NC State fights with North Carolina a half hour down the road for the best recruits in state uh, year in and year out. And, uh, you know, they they want the color red to be on top for, for once instead of that baby blue. Yeah, not to mention, you know, Wake Forest, who uh, has certainly had some quality teams in recent years. You know all about that, obviously. And, uh, you know, and for that matter, you know, Duke's in the picture, even though obviously football is not their strong point. But, uh, yeah, there's, there's you know, uh, right. a lot of colleges and, and, down on Tobacco Road. Yeah, and especially in football, it's uh, it's a lot harder to do well when you're a small private school, as, as Duke and Wake Forest are. The the state schools that have the large alumni bases have have the money advantage right away, and and also don't have the same academic restrictions or requirements that some of these private schools do. So it's it's just more difficult to get more quality players into school. I Notice I didn't say student-athletes, but quality players into school if they don't have the grades. And that's the uh, the uphill battle that Duke and Wake uh, face. Uh, Wake had their their uh, nice little cycle in the mid-2000s, went to the, won the ACC championship in 06 and went to the Orange Bowl in 07 uh, and won a couple other bowl games after that. And then Duke this year going to their first bowl game since 1994, so uh, things are looking up for the Blue Devils. They happen to uh, you know, play it right. They had a lot of experience coming back this year. David Cutcliffe, who's a very good offensive coach, uh, finally got enough experience on defense where he was able to, to keep the offense in the ball game so they could win them in the end. And uh, they got a couple good early season wins at Wake Forest and against North Carolina and became bowl eligible fairly early. I think they were 6-2 and two and lost their last four, but... Uh, you know, they they get a nice trip to uh, to Charlotte for that in the Belk Bowl, so I'm sure the uh, the folks Duke fans, uh, you know, it might be your your one in every two decade bowl trip, so you want to take advantage of that if you're a Duke fan. Yes, well, maybe it was the afterglow of having uh, Peyton Manning do his rehab down there at Duke, so he could train with Coach Cutcliffe, who of course coached with him at Tennessee. Right. And Duke Duke got a lot of pub from that. They really did. Absolutely, <laughs> of course. 
And when David Cutcliffe was the head coach at Ole Miss, he had Eli Manning. So he's had both the Manning boys during his uh, during his coaching tenure. Wow, that's a serious resume. Uh, well, Dave, I know as always uh, you have a lot going on at the National Sportscasters and Sports Writers Association down there in Salisbury, North Carolina. So uh, you released, uh, you know, some news this week uh, on the ballot. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, what we do is we conduct our nomination balloting from mid-October to mid-November, and then we take our top two-plus ties for the state races, and we have top ten for the national races and Hall of Fame, and we have our final ballot, which goes out typically December 1st. I happen, As I mentioned, I was in Charlotte at the uh, ACC Championship and tried unsuccessfully with my laptop to uh, dial into my work uh, computer to get the ballot out on Saturday the 1st and had some technical issues so it went out Monday morning at 6 but uh, some very exciting names we have on the ballot uh, for both well actually for all the races uh, Hall of Fame you have uh, Dick Vitale Hall of Fame sportscaster Woody Durham the longtime voice of uh, University of North Carolina John Ward the longtime radio voice of the University of Tennessee uh, on the writer side, Hal McCoy, legendary sports writer for the Dayton Daily News. Uh, Mitch Album, who in addition to his Detroit newspaper work is a, a noted author, uh, Tuesdays with Maury, etc. Uh, folks in yeah. Boston would recognize, of course, Leslie Visser, who I actually had a nice chat with this afternoon for about 20 minutes. She's actually going to Cutter to present and speak to the folks over there, who of course have the uh, the World Cup coming up in, what's that, 2000. 22 or something like that. But, oh, yes, uh, yes, absolutely, but, over in the Middle East. Yes, but, uh, you know, the Boston Globe has has produced several of our Hall of Famers, Lee Montville, Bob Ryan, uh, Will McDonough, Peter Gammons. Uh, you know, the, the sports page I grew up reading was probably as good as it gets and maybe the best we will ever see now that the the print form is, is dwindling. But... Um, you know, those are I agree. a couple of our Hall of Fame names. Our, our national um, finalists include all the big names from network television, Bob Costas, Al Michaels, Jim Nance, uh, Joe Buck, Kevin Harlan, Dan Patrick, Dan Shulman. Uh, Shulman was our, our winner here last year. Uh, national Sports Writer of the Year, you have uh, Peter King. I'm surprised that man has fingertips, the number of words he puts out uh, on wow, a weekend. I know. Monday morning quarterback, must read it. Right. right, Bob Ryan, speaking of the Boston Globe, who is a perennial uh, National Sports Writer of the Year candidate, uh, Rick Riley, and, and then you know, you're getting into some of the web guys now, your Pat Forties, your Dan Wetzels, uh, Joe Posnanski, who was our winner last year. Uh, so we have, you know, we have some great names on the ballot, uh, and you know, it's, all, it's a lot of fun to watch how the voting goes. You know, I, I mentioned the voting... Uh, I sent out the the ballot email Monday at six in the morning, and yep. but by the time two o'clock on Monday afternoon and rolled around, I already had a hundred votes in. I'm right at the two hundred mark now, so you know voting will go through January second, and uh, you know we'll have four or five hundred votes throughout the country for all these races, and and the, we invite the winners to come to our awards weekend, which is June eighth, ninth, and tenth, two thousand thirteen, here in. Lovely Salisbury, North Carolina, and usually about sixty percent of the winners come, and it's 
I tell the guys who win, it's like a three-day media hospitality room where you get to compare <laughs> war stories and meet people who you've looked up to, and uh, it's a lot of fun. I know it's a huge weekend. Uh, I, I hope to get down there one of these years. Uh, and again, it's one of the top events on the media calendar every year. And you're certainly uh, appealing to uh, what works with journalists, which is, you know, a media hospitality room. That's something all, all journalists can relate to, to say the least. Right. And, and we're also turning, trying to turn it into a little bit of a, an educational and networking weekend. We, we, for the first time, had a a seminar for young sportscasters, and actually it turned out we had sportscasters of all ages showed up, and uh, Bob Costas and Dan Schulman, who were both award winners last year, didn't bat an eye and presented at the seminar, as did the play-by-play guys from Kansas State, Virginia Tech, Georgia Tech, Atlanta Falcons. We had uh, Tom Bowman from Learfield Sports, one of the leading college sports marketers and rights holders for play-by-play. Uh, Chris Farrow, who's coordinating producer at ESPNU in Charlotte, came up. So it was a it was a great day for for those who who sat in on the seminar. There was a lot lot to learn. Unfortunately, I didn't get to sit in on too much of it because I would have liked to have learned a little bit more. Right, right. Well, I know you've done a lot with your organization uh, regarding education, young journalists, aspiring would be journalists, all that. So I think it's just terrific and. Uh, you're smart to rope it into that terrific weekend because, you know, I'm sure any young journalist who shows up is just uh, blown away by seeing, uh, you know, the people they've grown up idolizing. Uh, and, you know, I tell, I tell young aspiring journalists, like, in addition to learning how to write, which is probably the most important fundamental to have, along with the ability to ask questions and report and dig, is, is networking because despite what uh, what I thought growing up, my parents were right. It is who you know, and if there's someone out there who who has met you or or remembers your name, and a job comes open, you will be on top of their mind rather than the other people, uh, the other 200 people in the stack of I can't even say videotapes anymore because they don't use those. <laughs> they don't in the, I mean, in, in, the, in the pile of digital video. Exactly. And yes, as we both know, everything has changed. And hey, given what we're doing right at this very moment, I think one area, uh, another new area in the world of sports journalism and beyond is, of course, Internet radio, which has been growing exponentially, as uh, as I've been finding out doing this show for the past uh, coming up on two years now. Absolutely. And that's the other thing I, I, I preach to younger sportscasters and sports writers is the internet gives you such a great opportunity and training ground that our generation didn't have there's there's just so much more out there that you can take advantage of so it's certainly a, a great tool to use and uh, and it's it's great for kids to be able to to get that experience before they they get paid to do it if you will indeed it is Dave uh, no doubt about it and well, I want to thank you so much for coming on. Good to hear about, uh, you know, who's on the ballot for the upcoming NSSA awards and hear about, uh, you know, the 2013 weekend uh, down in Salisbury and also hear about your weekend in Notre Dame and college football in general, for, uh, your perspective from the South. It's great. 
Well, you're you're quite welcome. Thank you for having me on. And I, I need a I need a quick call from you. Who's going to win the Heisman tomorrow? <laughs> uh, Johnny Manziel, Johnny Football. I just think uh, it's history either way. Either the first guy, exclusive defensive player, or first freshman. I just think it's Johnny Manziel. Uh, I was in a sports bar watching him lead the upset over Alabama right in, right here near me here in Boston. Right. And Dave, it was packed and it was electric. And that's when I, I thought, wow. I mean, people were rooting for him like it was Doug Flutie. It was incredible. And, so. and I've, heard, I've heard that comparison before. I actually have a Heisman vote. I went defense just because I think people look too much at – at offensive numbers that are piled up, not that's that's not a good barometer, but I think there are other things that that make you a great college football player. So I, I went to Manti Teo. So we'll, I, I have a feeling Manziel's going to win, but my conscience told me to go with uh, the defender this year. Well, that's a great choice, and it reminds me of a great story. Just to show you, I'm not biased. I was filling in as a sports editor at a newspaper way back in the day and happened to be Heisman voting weekend. And so I, once in my life, got to vote for the Heisman, and I voted for Hugh Green, there famous you linebacker from Pittsburgh, from University That's of Pittsburgh, true. Pitt. Uh-huh. So, so, as you, so I'm capable of voting for a linebacker, just not this there year. There you go. Good for you. <laughs> <laughs> but I think you're right, Manziel's going to win. Yeah, I, I think so, too. But I hope it's close. I really do. And uh, it's going to be great. A great time of year. And, Dave, once again, thank you so much for calling in. We'll look forward to having you on again uh, sooner rather than later. And uh, my pick for appointment viewing for the weekend, as I always like to close my show with this, is, no surprise, the Army-Navy game, Saturday afternoon, 3 p.m. Eastern time. And, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for having me on, John. Thank you, Dave. And once again, Voice America listeners, thank you for listening to All Around Sports. And we'll look forward to doing it all again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week. 